I'm going to make a couple of assumptions, okay? And if I'm wrong in what I'm saying, please either stop me and tell me to go back or come and talk to me afterwards or come and talk to someone that you trust. Last week, Matt talked about the graciousness of God. And I'm making the assumption that when I talk about the fact of God's grace, that we all have an understanding of what that actually means in our life. I'm going to make an assumption that we all know that God's grace means that there is no condemnation, there is only conviction, there is only encouragement, there is only freedom, and there's no bondage in his grace, and there's no guilt in his grace. And if that doesn't make sense to you, then that's where you need to switch off and come and talk to me later. Does that make sense? Because what I am going to share and what I feel is a bit slightly different to what I was going to share when I walked in this evening, but I feel like God's telling me I should. And so how can I talk about following Jesus if I'm not going to actually follow him in this moment, if that makes sense? So I'm sort of practicing what I'm talking about. But having said that, I am making that assumption, and normally I don't like making assumptions like that because that's a huge one in what I'm about to say and share. Are we all happy to continue? Cool. I wrote down some of the words that we sang just before, and the worship was fantastic, Lola and Nathan, the songs you chose, just, yeah, I was convicted. We sang, I lift up my hands, lay down my whole life, or lay my whole life down, my whole life is now for you. We sang, nothing else matters, nothing in this world will do, because Jesus, you're the center. Everything revolves around you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. We sang, all hail King Jesus, all hail the savior of the world. And the conviction that I had, and I checked with someone and I went to Kelly and I said, how bitey should I be? And she said, I don't know, what are you talking about? I'm just gonna tell you what God said to my spirit and what I've been convicted by. He said, either... You have nothing to share this evening because everything we sang, we know and we are living or we're not there yet and we need to be. If we are saying, my whole life now is for you, nothing else matters, nothing in this world will do but Jesus, then us following Jesus should be the only thing that dictates everything that we do. If we're seeing all hail King Jesus, a king, he says, we do. And I am assuming, probably not, I, not, I don't think this is really an assumption. I think it's pretty clear that none of us can stand up here and say, all the words I sang this morning is exactly the way that I live my life every second outside of singing those songs. Um... And the, partly the reason that I was convicted singing those songs and I didn't sing some of them because I was too much like, oh, no, God, like, this is huge, is because that's what I've spent the last two weeks thinking about. That's a benefit that you have whenever you need to teach something or, like, whenever you're going to share something with someone else is that you do a whole lot of work to work out, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? Like, what do you want to say about this? And so really... I get the benefit every time I stand up here or any time 
You know, I do the activate notes or even doing the kids' notes that I did because I get to learn and allow God to speak to me in the midst of it. And these are the couple of verses that I want to share with you. So, yeah, I had some really cool stories and illustrations to share with you. I had some really cool things about a carrot cake. Like, I knew, you know, like... I was saying to someone this week, oh, I know that people are going to be in a training for like close to an hour before coming here. It's going to be a hot day. I'm going to have to make sure that it's like digestible. And now I'm cutting out the digesting and just giving you the meat. So I hope you can chew for yourself. <laughs> um, that's, the, that's the aim. And I hope it is meaty for you too, because I've just said it is. So anyhow. You like cake? Yes. Well, the problem was I had got given a carrot cake, which was delicious, but it had walnuts on it. So I took off the walnuts and gave them to my husband and ate the rest of the cake. So I was going to say, you know, we can't take part of Jesus when we want to follow him. That was, but I was going to give more detail, but that was the illustration for Anyhow, this is Luke 14, starting at verse 25 to 35. The heading in the NIV is the cost of being a disciple. And it says this. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Surely when one of you wants to build a tower, won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, the person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider what it is he's able to do with his 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegate to the other king when the other king is still a long way off and ask them for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is neither for the soil, nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears, let them hear. It's not a passage that we like to think about much. Because even though I'm reading it in English and it wasn't actually written in English, when you read something that says, in the same way, for those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple, we have to stop and wonder, can I be a disciple of Jesus? Is the cost too much? And Jesus makes it really clear that we need to actually consider the cost before we say yes. And that's why understanding God's grace is so important. I'm going to skip over some verses. I might come back to them later, but another verse I want to read is... Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Enter through the narrow gate, 
For the wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. These two verses tell us that we cannot assume that being a disciple of Jesus is not going to actually cost us. And it's going to cost us everything. And if we're not willing for it to cost us everything, Jesus says, that's the choice that you can make. And so I guess the question that I've been asking myself this week is how narrow is the gate that I'm entering through or how wide is the gate I'm entering through? Because we can read the Bible and say, oh, Jesus says that he loves me and he's forgiven me and there's no condemnation for Jesus and those are the, I want to believe that and I want to hold on to that because I don't like feeling guilty so I'm going to accept that part. But then when we read another part that says, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you, when someone takes your coat, offer them your jacket, or maybe it's a jacket and the coat, I can't remember the order of it. But when someone's like, give them more, we go, mm, let's go back to the thing that God loves me and how great it is. And I'll just ignore the fact that that person I want nothing to do with and I actually, like in my head, if not out loud, say mean things about them because it's easier just to focus on the love part. But if we actually want to be a follower of Jesus, it means we can't pick and choose. It means we have to actually take it all. And the all is actually there for a reason. Because God is saying, as my disciple, as my follower, you are an ambassador for me. And so if I love unconditionally, you need to do the very best you can to love unconditionally. And it doesn't mean we always do, but what's our intention? And as Matt likes to often talk about, what direction are we actually pointing in? Because we can say, I'm not there yet, but that's where I want to be, and so I'm going to put things in place. I'm going to look to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask God to give me the strength I need to love that person I can't love. Or we can say, I'm going to pretend they don't exist, not talk to them about anybody, and just pretend that I'll just focus on these people that are easy to love and pretend that that person doesn't exist. But the annoying thing is, God is everywhere. Man, Qatar, da 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 if you're a Colin Buchanan fan. Anyway, but we can't do that because even though we might be able to fool everybody else, Jesus is the one that we should actually care most about. And he's the one that we can never fool because he actually knows everything. But he's the safest person because he does know everything. So when he says, I love you, he's not saying I love you because you've done a really good job at hiding the things that aren't that lovable. He's saying, I love you, knowing it all, seeing it all, and loving you. 
and caring about you and more than just loving you but actually liking you and championing you and wanting the very best for you. So if we want to be representatives of him, we need to do the best that we can to actually love how he loves. If we say, nobody knows how much money I make, so how generous I am doesn't really matter because you don't know if I've got savings or if I'm like, you know, not going to eat tonight because I don't have the money for a meal. I'm fine. I don't like that one isn't me, but like no one knows. So I can look like I'm being generous to everybody else. I can even convince myself I'm being generous. But God actually makes it really clear that a follower of Jesus is a generous person. And so to think that that hidden bank account is hidden from him is incorrect. Because it might be hidden from everybody else, but he knows. He knows how much time we have. He knows how much time I have. He knows when I choose to sit and watch that movie, then read the Bible. He knows when I could go to a prayer meeting and I can't be bothered, and so I make up some excuse in my head, which, of course, I'm the only one that ever does this, make up some excuses to why tonight's not going to work for me and I'll go again. I'll go next week, though. He knows when I'm making excuses and he knows when I'm actually listening to his voice and wanting to follow him. And so that's the thing. Being a follower of Jesus is actually about him. It's about us having an understanding of who God is and who Jesus is and saying, God, because I know who you are, because I know of your generosity, because I know of your love, because I know of your grace, of your mercy, of your compassion, of your kindness, because I know who you are, how can I not when I live my life in service to you. But that means not when it suits us, not when it's convenient. It does mean when it suits us and when it's convenient, but it also means when it's not. And that is a hard thing about being a Christian because we can't pick and choose. We can pick and choose what God is working on now. Like there can be things that God's like, hey, this is the thing, and you know it. Like this is the thing that I want you to like walk in and grow in. I remember once I did a uni placement at this place called Youth Dimension. And it's an organization that does a whole lot of different things. But one of the things that it does that I've been most involved in is it runs an internship program. And during the internship program, they do, you do courses and that kind of stuff, but you also do one-on-one mentoring. And so you meet once a week with one person and they ask you, how's your life going? Like, what's God saying? What's happening in your life? And so I spent six weeks doing a uni placement there. And at the end of it, a number of them said, oh, you should come back and do our, like, two-year program. And I said to them, when I've got myself together and like you're not going to point anything out, then like I'll come. I said, I know too much of the Bible already. I don't want to know anymore. 
because I read that annoying verse that says, like, those who have been given much will be expected much. And I thought, oh, if I learn more, I'm going to be expected to live out more, and so it's easier just to stick with trying not to learn stuff. God convicted me and showed me that I was wrong, and I went into the program, and then I started working there, and I still do some stuff with them. So I, like, God taught, told me how wrong I was. But that's not the way it works. It's not a case of, oh, well, I know this bit and I'll just stick to this bit. But it's also not a fact of God saying, you've got to be perfect as I'm perfect. and every, You've got to do everything all at once right this very second. But the question is, when God speaks, when Jesus says, what do we do in those moments? And really the challenge that I've had this week and the challenge I want to give you guys is let's be people who say yes, Jesus. No matter what it is. Whether it's something that's easy for us or hard for us, something that we've never done before or we've done a hundred times before, if it's Jesus that's saying it, that's all we need to know. And that way, it's actually easy for us because we don't need to go searching for stuff. We don't need to be like worried that we're not doing enough. We just need to go, Jesus, what are you saying? And he speaks to us. And then when we hear, we do what he says. And if we're true disciples of Jesus, we should want to know what our savior and our king is actually saying. And it's when we tune off our ears that we start to look for different ways of trying to convince ourselves that we're following him, but we're not paying any attention to him. So it's not, being a follower of Jesus is simple and really, really hard and costly and will cost you everything. But the simplest of it is, what is Jesus saying to you? Do what that is. And sometimes, I read something in the Bible and God convicts me and I've got to work out what that actually looks like. That's why God gave us community because you don't have to just work it out yourself. You can actually say, hey, been reading this, been wondering about this. This is what I think God's saying. Can you pray for me? Can you give me some insight? That's why we've got Activate Groups. That's why we're starting growth groups so that we can actually have people that go, hey, what is God saying? And let's do it. Because when you've got other people who are doing the same thing, it's a whole lot easier when you feel like you're the only one who's trying to say, Jesus, what are you saying, and then trying to do it. So that's the simplicity of it. The hardness of it is we have to give up our own control, our own power for those who were in Matt's session earlier today, and actually lay it down and say, not my will, but your will be done. As long as I know it's from you, God, that is all I need to know. And whatever that is, that's what I'm going to do. And sometimes it's great. Like, God, I'm going to out this, Matt, I'm sorry. And I haven't checked because I didn't, this wasn't, this isn't, this is now. So we had heard about someone who was really struggling to be broad. We heard about someone that was really struggling we didn't know very well, but we knew people who knew them well. And so we said, how can we help? And Jesus said, do this. And so we did it. And that was a joyous thing to do. It wasn't a struggle. 
It was easy. The person who received it was like, wow, and blown away. It was really good. It was easy. It was joyous. So to think saying, hey, Jesus, what are you saying, that it's always going to be hard and so it, like, that's wrong. 99% of the time that Jesus tells me to do something, it is a joy to do it. It is a joy to do it because I want to be who Jesus is. I want to be as loving as I can be. When I was at YD, I used to do some teaching with some people who were straight out of uni. They did a one-year course with us. And we're having a discussion about this kind of stuff, how we should follow Jesus and all that kind of stuff. And they, they decided that it was easier to move to Africa and follow Jesus than to follow Jesus in Australia. Because if you move to Africa, then you're not as wealthy, so you don't have to worry too much about money. Like, the culture's different, so you have to, like, you don't, already, you don't fit in. And I went, well, if God's saying go to Africa, then go to Africa. But God's not going to call all of you to Africa because he needs people here. And if he needs people here, there must be a way of living life here. And it is the same whether you're in Africa or in Australia. What is God saying? When I know what you're saying, my answer is yes. And as I said, it is more a joy, and I'm sure you guys already know this. I don't think, like, hopefully I'm not telling you what you don't already know. It is a joy to do what God says. There are some times when you have to go not myself, and I have to, like, there are times when it's tough, and it's going to be costly. And the costly is because you can't always just do what you want. But saying yes to Jesus is so much more joyous than it is hard because he knows you. He knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for other people. And he wants to love you and he wants to love other people. And so following his yes actually gets us to do that. In Hebrews, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. I like to say Barnabas wrote Hebrews only because I really like Barnabas because I think, where would Paul be without Barnabas? Like, some sort, like God would bring someone else along, but he chose to use Barnabas because he was the one who saw stuff in Paul that no one else did. And then without Paul, like, anyhow, but God could use anybody. Anyway, Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says this. Therefore, I'm going to move on from the therefore. Since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let me throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with persistence the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us run with persistence the race marked out for us. What, in my mind, that's telling us is, do what Jesus says. When you know that God is saying something, say yes. And do it with persistence. And do it the way, like, persevere in that. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Because he's the one that does it. 
And this is the other great thing. It's not in our strength we have to do any of this. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us all that we need. So we say, yes, Jesus, I want to be a disciple of yours. Holy Spirit comes. Holy Spirit reveals the things of God, helps to make us more like Jesus. And we say yes to the things that are in front of us. If you don't know, if you go, boy, but how do I know if it's God or not? If that's the thing you're struggling with, if that's like you're like, cool, I get that. Okay, I do. I need to know what is God saying and then I say yes to what Jesus is saying, God, whatever. Come in two weeks' time and let's have a chat about how we can actually hear from God. How amazing that it just all fits in together. <laughs> um, but that's something that you can get some information from. But really, it's by actually just giving it a go. It's by actually saying, God, I want to know what you're saying. What are you saying? This is what I think you're saying. I'm going to go do it. And if you're wrong, do you know what happens? God goes, how brilliant, Tanya, that you gave it a go, that you stepped out for me. I love you. I have grace. It's all good. Do it again. And then I'm like, oh, but why was it wrong? How did I get that wrong? And you go back, you talk to people, you read the word, you hear the Holy Spirit, and he actually shows you again. And that's the, the only difference between someone who can, who can pick up how to hear God well and someone who does it, it normally just practice. There's, no, there's nothing else in that because God speaks. And so it's whether we want to hear and are confident enough to take a risk. This is what Philippians 3, 7 to 8 says. Again, there's a but. I'm going to ignore the but. And this is Paul speaking. But whatever would gain to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I now consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And that's pretty much my experience. That even though I can tell you things that have cost me, things that I did not want to do, and, not, and there's things that I, I am not perfect at hearing from God and saying yes and doing it. But I do know, without a doubt, that it is much better to hear the things from God and say yes than to live a life when God is not part of your life, with, despite the cost. But Jesus makes it really clear that we actually have to count the cost. That you're actually going to have to lose your life if you want to follow me. Because we as humans have this condition called selfishness. And there's this thing, there used to be an ad that says the most important person in the world, you. And that's the world and the society that we pretty much live in. That the world revolves around me. And if it works for me, then it's all good. But if it doesn't work for me, there's something wrong. And if I'm uncomfortable and it's not the way I want it to be, there's something wrong. Well, it may not actually be that way. It may be that it's the best for someone else and not ideal for you, but you can just suck it up and be okay because it's better for the other person. That sometimes is the way it is. And so the world does not revolve around us. It should revolve around Jesus. But that is a daily struggle, the minute struggle sometimes. 
But the question is, are we willing to hear from God and say yes? And if we are, then we're his disciple. And we don't always get it right. And that's where the graciousness of God and the kindness of God and the mercy of God is so good to know. And if you do not understand and if you had not experienced any of that, then what I'm all that I've said this evening is going to sound like you've just got to, like, it's just too hard. But for those of us who know the grace of God, who know the mercy of God, who know the joy there is, we can tell you that we stuff it up, that we hear from God and go, this is, what, this is something that I'm really good at doing. Here's something from God. Particularly if it's like in the moment, I'd be like, oh, God, it'd be really good if you could just confirm that. If you could just tell someone else, let them take the risk, and then I'll be like, hey, yeah, I'm with you. Because that's a whole lot easier than being the first. Um, but we do. God never says, I want you to live the perfect life that I live. He says, I want you to follow me. So what direction are we heading in? What is the posture of our heart? And are we willing to ask the question daily, sometimes hourly, God, what are you saying? And whatever you say, my answer is already yes. One of my favorite um, verses in the Bible that one of my friends from uni wrote up for me um, is a story of Isaiah. And Isaiah is like in the presence of God. And he hears God say, who shall we send and who will go for me? And Isaiah goes, here I am, send me. And I remember being at uni and saying to my friend, that's the life I want to live. I don't know what God's, like Isaiah does not know what God's asking for yet. Like it says, he heard from God, you know, like who can we send and who will go for me? All he knows is that it's God. And he's like, hey, hey you will need someone? Pick me, pick me. Because he trusted his father. And whatever God was going to ask him to do, which is not that easy if you read being a massive prophet and people not listening to you. Um, but he knew it was God. And because he knew it was God, he said, I trust you, God. This is a tenured version. It doesn't actually say this, but I trust you, God. I know your character. I know who you are. So if it's you that's speaking, that's all I need to know. And so wouldn't it be fantastic if this year we could grow in that together? That as a church, that would be the posture that we have. The only thing that we want to know is, God, what are you saying? And as soon as we know that, there is no question. Or the next thing is, okay, let's do it. In our families, how powerful would it be to have families that are like, let's get together and say, hey, God, what are you saying? As an individual, if all of us in this room went, hey, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? I want to hear from you. And when I know that it's you, my answer is yes. Because I've already decided that. I've already decided I'm going to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. I've decided, I've made a decision. This is the way I'm going. This is the way I'm heading. Sometimes I head there quickly and sometimes I head there slowly and sometimes I take a step back, but my direction is pointed to you. And wouldn't it be great if we had people around us that we could say in our growth groups, in our active groups, in our families, in our friendship groups, this is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. Jesus, what are you saying? 
My answer is yes. And have people say, hey, how are you going with that? Let me encourage you at how I saw you step out for God. And when we make a mistake, have people say, let me support you. Let me remind you that our God is a gracious God. Let me remind you that you are loved. Let me remind you that you are forgiven. Let me remind you that you are a child of God and nothing can take that away from you. Because the decision that we've made to follow Jesus means it all. And so I pray, Lord God, that you will help us, Lord, to be people that are pointed in the direction of you, God, that we'll be able to hear you clearly, Lord. And our answer will be yes, because we know it's you and we know your character. We know how trustworthy you are, Lord. And so we just really want to thank you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be your ambassadors, to bring your kingdom on earth, God, to partner with what you're doing, Lord. Thanks, God, for letting us do that.